Well, good morning. Thanks for coming. I want to thank you all for your kindness and your friendliness over the course of the last week. We arrived in Vernon last Saturday. We had people help unload the truck. We had food. Uh, and I, we're, we're ever so grateful. We hope that our relationship with you over the course of whatever period of time God gives us will result in glory and honor to Jesus Christ. If you're visiting our church this morning for the first time, we, we'd like to give you a special welcome. But we'd like you to know that you came on the wrong Sunday. <laughs> so right here on the front of your bulletin, you'll notice that it says Pastor Greg, right? But on the inside, it says preaching is Rich Peterson. So I'm not the pastor. So uh, here's, here's what I recommend. I recommend you come back next week and you hear, you hear the regular guy. He's not too bad, you know. <laughs> but then when you think about it, you'll have come two weeks in a row. So you might as well just make it your church home. <laughs> what? We're, we're grateful that you're visiting today. And uh, we hope you feel comfortable and uh, that you learn some truths of Scripture. In the bulletin, I have included a, uh, a series of Scriptures, and, and you'll, you will have noticed those. They're on the second page. I'm going to be referring to a number of Scriptures this morning, but these I'm going to be reading. And so if you keep that handy, you'll be able to read them on here and not have to flip around in your Bibles. But for now, would you please turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. It's on page 969 if you're using a Bible from the pew in front of you. Follow along as I read beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 6. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we are ever grateful that you have written to us. We're ever grateful that you have wanted us to know you and your Son and the Holy Spirit. And so you've put this record before us so that we could learn. And we recognize that if there's going to be effective teaching today and any effective learning today, 
it's going to be because the Holy Spirit is the effective teacher. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would take this word that you inspired 2,000 years ago and bring it home to our minds and hearts and bring it home in a way that it just wouldn't let us go. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. So isn't that an interesting question? Are you the one? Or should we look for another? Should we, should we move our hope from you? And should we kind of shift our hope to a different expectation? Uh, it's just a great question. I think it's a question that should be asked by every person in every generation the world over. Now, I think it's the question written here so that you and I would ask it. So that you and I would be able to raise the question in our minds, raise the question in our hearts so that we would come to the right answer. God put it here so that we would come to the right answer. And yes, there is a right answer. Are, are, are you the one or should we hope for another? It's interesting that in this occasion, that question was asked by John the Baptist. John the Baptist is not just any ordinary person. You know that, right? So if we were to read in the books of Isaiah and Malachi, we would find that there were uh, numerous Old Testament prophecies made about the coming of John the Baptist. Uh, we would remember that when Zechariah was in the temple and uh, uh, doing the priestly duties, the angel Gabriel came to him and referenced those prophecies and said, you're going to have a son. And he referenced those prophecies and, and uh, was speaking about John the Baptist. And then at the birth, when Zechariah's mouth was opened and he praised God with a song, uh, Zechariah also referenced the prophecies from Isaiah and Malachi. And John the Baptist was the forerunner to the one who was to come. He, he, was, he was sent to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord who would come to his temple. He's not just any old person here. And he was fully aware of all of those prophecies. And yet he asked the question, are you, are you the one or is there somebody else? Not only did he have prophecies about him before his birth, but during the course of his ministry, there was the time when Jesus came to him to, to be baptized. And John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And then after the baptism, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove, and the voice speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And John the Baptist saw it and heard it. 
If, if you read John chapter 1, uh, there was another occasion in which John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And on another occasion he said, I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. With all that laid out in his life, John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus to ask the question, are you the one or is there someone else? Now, we could have understood it if John was 15 and Jesus was 14. But why did he ask the question at the end of his life in ministry? Why does he ask it now? Well, we get a clue in verse 2. If you look in verse 2, it says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? The clue is, John was in prison. Now when John in prison heard the things that Jesus was doing. Why does prison trigger this question in John the Baptist? He wasn't in prison because he had done something wrong. He wasn't in prison because of some evil he had done and they arrested him. And, and, no, he was in prison for righteousness sake. He was in prison because Herod had a brother named Philip. And Philip's wife's name was Herodias. Only Philip was living with Herodias. I'm sorry, Herod was living with a Herodias. And John the Baptist publicly condemned him for it. And so Herod took John the Baptist, took him out of the public and threw him in prison. And so he was in prison for righteousness sake, for his stand on morality and for what's right in the eyes of God. And while he was there, he heard the things that Jesus was doing. It wasn't what Jesus was teaching, it was what he was doing. What was he doing? What did John expect Jesus to do? Well, we read the passage earlier, but if you look in your bulletin, I have written the first one and a half verses of um, Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, Jesus was doing some of those things. He was preaching good news to the poor. He was binding up the brokenhearted. But notice what it says. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. John was in prison. He was sitting in prison. And Jesus was letting him sit in prison. And he's going, wait a minute. If you're the one, why am I in prison? 
You're doing those things, but you're not doing these things. Are you the one? Are you the one who's going to do some of these things? And there's someone else who's going to do other of these things? Or are you the one and only? See, that's the question. The question isn't whether or not he was one of the ones. The question is, are you one and there's another one? You're doing some of this. But there's stuff left undone because I'm in prison. There's another reason for uh, John the Baptist raising the question at this time, and it's the next verse I have printed in your bulletin. This is one of John the Baptist's sermons. John the Baptist's sermon was this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And, 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 and John the Baptist had preached to the people that when, when, when this one comes who's more powerful than him, one of the things he was going to do is bring judgment and vengeance from God. But that wasn't happening. Jesus was preaching to the poor. He was binding up the brokenhearted. But there was no vengeance and judgment from God. John the Baptist was going, well, who's going to do that? Are you the one? Or is there someone else? Should we move our hope from you and look for someone else to complete it? Or should we hope in you only? Now, I'd like to suggest to you that we could still ask that question today. Because when we read the Old Testament, there's a lot of the Old Testament that hasn't yet, be yet been fulfilled. We read the Old Testament and we know that there's all these things yet to come. And when Jesus was here, he didn't do them all. They were left undone. But we have the fullness of revelation. John the Baptist didn't have the fullness of revelation. We have the fullness of revelation and we know Jesus is coming again. And when he comes again, everything, everything will be complete. And we know that Jesus is the one and the only. Not the one with the expectation of another. We have that truth firmly set in our hearts. Jesus is coming again. And all those prophecies will be fulfilled. But John the Baptist didn't have that. And so the question sits there. Are you the one? And are you the one and only? John, Jesus 
responded to John the Baptist in verse 4. And he said, And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So his answer was the very things that he had been doing. I'm, I'm the one. And he quoted some of what we read earlier in Isaiah 61. And he quoted Isaiah 35. It's in your bulletin. And these are verses 5 and 6a. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. And the, the references that Jesus used were exactly the things that he had been doing. And he said, when you read this, you expected one. And I'm doing these things. And your hope should have been brought to me. But those two verses were set in a context. And I'm going to read to you the context. And I'm going to show you how this relates. This is Isaiah 35. I'm just reading it from my Bible. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and the recompense of God, and he will come and save you. And the eyes of the blind will see, and the tongue of the mute will be opened, and the ears will hear. And Jesus quoted the part of the passage that he had been doing. And yet in Isaiah 61 and 35, both of them had things left undone. But when we read those texts, in our minds, there's only one that's going to do it all. You can't read those texts and go, well, there's two people. No, it's when the glory of the Lord comes, the one time. And the author wants us to understand that there was one person who was going to do it all. There was one person who was doing this, and he would do the rest. In the middle of that, I skipped a verse. If you were following along, you said to yourself, hey, he skipped a verse. Notice what it says. Here's what it says in verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. It's exactly John the Baptist. He was in prison. He was Weak knees, feeble heart. And he was going, wait a minute. 
Do I, do I have to shift my hope from Jesus over to somebody else? And so at the end of Jesus' response to his disciples, he said, blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. Blessed is the one who holds strong, whose faith is intact, whose hope is set in me and me only. I'm doing it, and I will do the rest. Strengthen your feeble knees. Strengthen your faith. Put your hope in Jesus for it all. I'm the one and only. And just because I'm not doing it all now doesn't mean it's not going to be done. Now I want to make a point at this point in time uh, from the book of Matthew, not from this text. But if we were to study the book of Matthew, we would have seen this already. So in Matthew 8, Jesus healed a leper. In Matthew 9, Jesus healed a paralytic. He raised the dead. He gave sight to the blind, and he healed the ears of a mute, demon-possessed man. He did exactly what Isaiah 35 said. He did it all. And my point is this. Matthew recorded that so that we would see those miracles and attach it to Isaiah. So that we would see those miracles and look and say, oh, Jesus is fulfilling all of these things. He's the one who is to come. God wants each of us to understand the answer that Jesus was giving to John the Baptist. There is one who was to come. That same one will come again and fulfill it all. There's one and only one. And all of your hope has to be put in him. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me, who looks at Jesus and says, well, he did some of those things, but he doesn't look very much like a king to me. Blessed is the one who finds in Jesus the fullness of all things. Savior and Lord the Lamb and the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of Jesse. Blessed is the one who sees Jesus as the one and only. And all your hope rests in him. If we were to look at the rest of the New Testament, we would see this truth developed in a number of ways. We would see this truth brought out in greater detail. I'm going to just reference a couple, and then we're going to comment on Colossians. But you'll remember that uh, uh, John, uh, Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm the one and only. There, there is no other. There are some people that want to say, well, Jesus is a way, and there are a number of other ways. 
that also can get you to God? That's the wrong answer. That's not God's answer. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Some people want to look at, at life and go, well, no, it's not just Jesus alone. It's Jesus and me. It's what Jesus does for me and what I do with Jesus, for Jesus. And when we put those things together, why, then that completes the salvation process. No, I'm sorry. Jesus is the one and only. And all of your hope has to go to him. In Ephesians 1.3, we read the text that says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing that comes from God is found in Jesus. There are, there are no other spiritual blessings. Search the world over and try to find a spiritual blessing in another spiritual guru and you will not find any. All of God's spiritual heavenly blessings comes in Jesus and through Jesus. Search the world over to find another source of spiritual riches and you will be found wanting. Because in Christ and in Christ alone, sit the riches of God's blessings. And he's the one and only. And finally, I'd like you to look in your bulletin once again and see that I've referenced Colossians a couple times. You know that Greg has been preaching through Colossians. And he, he, he read and taught in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, that speaking of Christ, it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Isn't that a profound statement? In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's not one treasure of wisdom and knowledge from God found outside of Jesus. They're all found in Jesus, or there no, or there no, there aren't any. That's it, profound. So, so if, if you wanted to find any spiritual value from God, you have to go to Jesus. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not one is found outside of Christ. So then, later in chapter 2 of Colossians, we read this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in your faith. That's what God wants for us. If you understand Jesus is the one and only, then you get rooted in him and you get built up in him, but you never leave him. He's the one, and he's the only one. Then it says... Uh, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Greg taught this. 
It's, it's Jesus the one and only. Don't let anyone turn your eyes off of Jesus. Don't let anyone pull you away from him. Don't let anyone say, but there's value somewhere else. If you have any standing with God, if you have any hope, it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. He's the only source. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Where does your fullness come? From the one who has the fullness. Where does your forgiveness come? From the one who has the fullness. Where does your cleansing come? From the one who has the fullness. Where does your standing with God come? Where does your righteousness come? Where does your hope in the resurrection come from? Where does your future glory rest? Jesus is the one and only one. So I'd like to leave you with this thought. God's one and only is to be our one and only. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the riches that we have in him. Build our hope in him and him alone. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.